0: Hey, what's up? This is Nick Davis with Medium Plus, and today I'm going to share some deductive tasting with you. The upcoming recording is from one of the tasting groups I attend, which meets at 9 a.m. each week, and that is pretty early to taste some uh, some wine, especially more intense Amarone and dry Riesling and, and whatnot. Uh, but we are spitting, and no one's getting hammered that early. Uh, but that is when taste buds tend to be really active and uh, receptive to To aromas and flavors so uh, in this uh, example of tasting group I do two wines in front of everyone with no pretense of theme or style so it could be anything and we call that a brown bag tasting Uh, essentially everyone brings a classic red and a white usually hidden in a, a brown bag I use a silk bag myself fancy like that so with no specific assignment There's definitely the possibility for repeats, which indeed happened uh, today, Uh, not with my wines, but with others. So as you listen to my description, see if you can conclude as to what each wine might be. And I'll give you a hint, I do miss one of the conclusions, but you can probably still get it based on my notes. The skill of tasting really comes first in offering correct observations. So that's fruit calls and structure notes. And just assessing the wine in a correct way as objective as possible and then the second part is taking those notes and really listening to them to make the conclusion so it's like if you're a detective and you go into a crime scene you need to collect all the evidence do all your forensic work and then piece all those things together to assess who the perpetrator is rather than walking in the door looking around for a second and saying, ah, I know who did that uh, based on instinct. That doesn't really match up. So I usually have the best results when I don't know what the wine is as I'm tasting it. But my final deduction follows the right steps and I listen to those notes and the call ends up being right. And that does happen today. So here we go. Let's taste some wine.
1: Now that we have our pen
0: situation sorted. Right. Wine number three is a white wine clear. Day bright with a moderate minus intensity of color. Pale straw at the core with uh, hints of green. Hints. Love it. Uh, There are bubbles uh, in the glass, which could imply enclosure. I am seeing a moderate viscosity. On the nose, the wine is sound with a moderate aromatic intensity. The wine shows a youthful character underripe fruit tones of uh, tart lime peel, underripe white peach, tart nectarine, tart basque pear. There's a floral impression here of uh, some, some lily, a moderate aromatic flower. Getting some soft cheese, like a brie, which could imply uh, lee's contact. Some uh, delicate herbal notes of uh, fresh parsley. No impression of oak on the nose. High impression of stony minerality, crushed rock. On the path of wine is sound, dry, wasn't sure for a second, I think this this is dry, moderate body, confirming fruits in that uh, realm of of tart uh, ripeness, tart lime peel, tart nectarine, tart bosque pear, with a high impression of crushed rock, inorganic minerality, uh, fresh herb, uh, parsley, chervil.
1: <clears throat> uh,
0: moderate impression of floral notes with lily uh, no impression of oak <sighs> getting some cheesy uh, soft cheese character like a brie uh, implying lees contact batonage acid is medium plus alcohol is medium no tannin. There's a bit of bite with the texture. Could imply some skin contact, phenolic bitterness, a roundness on the palate. Wine is well balanced, high complexity. I'd say more moderate complexity, uh, moderate finish. Uh, this is a wine in the style of the Old World, due to its. Elevated minerality and tart fruit profile. <sighs> the floral notes take me to a possible grape variety of um, Pinot Grigio coming from Italy. Uh, I should mention that this is a wine coming from a moderate climate. I'm <sighs> going to include Gruner Liner coming from Austria. Age range one to three years. Final conclusion: This is a Pinot Grigio coming from the Old World, coming from Italy, coming from Trentino Adige DOC. Alto Adige DOC. Um From the 2013 vintage.
1: All right. Yeah, definitely from the like, bitterness. <clears> There's <throat> uh, a lot of terpenes. When I first smelled it, it smelled like some muscatodastes that I've smelled. It's like, wow, it's crazy. A lot of florality to it. Bring them in slightly tartar fruit on the palate than I thought it was going to have, but uh, yeah, definitely straight in line with an alberino. Yeah, I took it to alberino as well. For me, it had uh, this fruit cup characteristic type of fruit, but you still had this underripe as well. Um, I thought that there was a salinity to the minerality it the acidity that <coughs> was moderate plus,
2: so I went to, to
1: Alvarino yeah I think that the body is more Alvarino than the alcohol
2: Sorry. yeah the viscosity is pretty okay yeah. there on that
1: one too but uh yeah it's Alvarino yes Aravo. Aravo. what vintage <laughs> it's 2013 oh, sweet that are better than problem. Um, It has juicy fruit, from yeah. lime. Salty I like that peaches. fruit cup. Salty oh. peaches. Yeah. I was going to say watered-down miss- margarita, but I'm trying to get away from that. The yeah. <laughs> so
2: was- one thing with albarino, well, just- and you get it, I don't, is the lime part. I get tangerine.
1: Oh, see, I, yeah, get,
2: yeah, I get... If I get more excessive lime, it always drives mm-hmm. me over the Riesling area. This I get tangerine on.
1: Okay, and I can yeah. see that, but I just, yeah. I don't know, for some, my palate, like I picked that up on Riesling, even if it's yeah. really ripe, I still like there's that green. So yeah, I it's, like, it's like green mango, it's like yeah. an underripe mango. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually, so like, I it really said, wants to be tropical, but it's not quite, yeah, not yet. Yeah, no. yeah. it's interesting, because it does have that cloying kind of, for me, it's that fruit cup, but then you still have mm-hmm. that underripe, I said underripe pineapple as well, because yeah. the like just, you not know, very forgiving, um, for me it's the salinity as yeah. well if i'm paying attention to it it's the it has for me an elevated inorganic rocky minerality but it's a salty rock uh-huh. and if i ignore that i'll get alvarañez wrong i don't know how that works for me but it has so far in every one that i've tasted
0: wine number 3 is a red wine oh. and- Clear, just bright, with a moderate intensity of color. Ruby red at the core, leading out to a lighter ruby hue at the rim, with uh, color going all the way to the edge. Viscosity is moderate plus. On the nose, the wine is sound, with a moderate aromatic intensity, showing youthful character. Tart fruit expression of... Tart red cherry, cranberry, red currant, rhubarb, violet, fresh oregano, watermelon Jolly Rancher. no impression of new oak moderate impression of autumn leaves, organic minerality on the palate the wine is sound, dry moderate plus body Fruits remaining tart on the palate. Tart red cherry, red currant, tart, tart cranberry. Rhubarb, fresh violets, fresh oregano, watermelon, jelly rancher. High impression of minerality now on the palate of uh, mixed style. Autumn leaves with uh, Gravel. Still not getting any any new oak on the palate. Acidity is medium plus. Alcohol is medium plus. Tannin is moderate. Texture is, is drying. It's got some grip. Just kind of fuzzy. One's well balanced with a Moderate complexity and a moderate finish, high quality producer overall. (sighs) Okay, so let's see. We've got a thin skin variety, tart fruit expression. See, uh, this is a wine from the old world, from a cool climate. Possible grape varieties to include. Noir coming from France could be Gamay Noir coming from France, age range one to three years. getting as much uh, mushroom and earth as I would expect for a Pinot Noir, and uh, the fruitiness here and that floral violet uh, gives me uh, confidence in saying that this is a Gamay Noir coming from the old world, coming from France, coming from Burgundy, from Beaujolais, from a Beaujolais Cru, let's call this Fleury, from the 2013 vintage.
1: ideas? I went to Gamay as well. Um, Apologize for the tannins in two because I was like what the fuck are the tannins in three? Like I'm like ah. Um, Yeah I was thinking more more Morgon, Marcel but I went to uh, Beaujolais.
2: The alcohol is a little higher and there's tons of black pepper. I thought it was Mm. northern rum Syrah. Yeah, so I, was was I was conflicted because I was like, like, it can't pepper, be all Syrah. And it's smoky, but yeah. it's violet. And there's so
0: gaminess. It tastes like oh, my yeah. friend's uh, beef jerky. He makes really thin sliced beef jerky, and there's big things of black peppercorn over it. So I um, thought, I'm like, is it 100% Syrah? Or is there more and that's adding more black pepper? It doesn't seem like dark enough in color to have enough pigment to be Syrah. So I was, I was trying to decide between Northern Roan or North Southern <clears> Roan. <throat> I think I'm going to end up going Southern Rhone Syrah Heavy. But, uh,
1: it seems probably, like probably there's not them. a lot of like that mid palette. To me, it almost seems like it would be a vintage that was. It seems like it's lacking some stuffing. There's not a lot of. Not the
2: Hermitage, but Crows Hermitage. If you're Hermitage, like Possibly. You know, it just it like seems like, like it's. Excess, maybe. 11 Crows Hermitage. It, yeah. The one thing, with, yeah. and obviously could be wrong, but Cru Beaujolais, it the granitic part wasn't there mm-hmm. Right. that like rained on granite that
1: mm-hmm.
2: didn't stand out to me
1: see where I actually thought that it had a granitic minerality yeah. Yeah. so I okay. um, yeah. like it's tart fruit and rocks
2: because I usually Unlisted. it would for me taste more like this Beaujolais mm-hmm. like that, the, that. the Chinon yeah it mm-hmm. tastes more like that with granite and without the potting soil part yeah. for me but yeah. it first thing when I picked this up I smelled it and I thought pepper that's was my first very thing first in, initial so, and after tasting i like I keep wanting to make sure there's like no croissant like mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <clears throat> but cooler like 11 but yeah. okay. now you're talking croissant but like
0: yeah <laughs> I, I stay firm yeah
1: for me I feel like the fruit is a little it's confected I feel like it's some sweetness to the, to the fruit on the nose. So it, yeah, it so smells confected, but yeah. it doesn't deliver on the palate But it's yeah, no, it definitely definitely a uh, total tea. total tea, total tea <laughs> I think for this wine. So yeah it's Morgan. Sweet. Morgan. Morgon. Go to pee. That's uh, just cause I drank a lot of Beaujolais before it's I have a, <laughs> a magnum with that at lemon. home. Yeah. It's okay. Super pepper. Just because yeah. it was cheap. It was really oh it's,
2: it's good. I mean I can see it. Like when I, you were talking, I knew kind of you started going Beaujolais, and I was like, I can totally see that, but this pepper is like too much for me see, to go. I didn't there. even get.
1: I was just yeah. yeah. But for me, it was that lipstick, body weight
0: and stuff that makes sense. That's infected. It's, it's got some muscle to it.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> but it was that that minerality, that granitic minerality. Nice. Yeah.
0: And we're back. You'll have to pardon our slurping. In the recording, that's definitely part of the deal. At this point, I should introduce the fellow tasters. There was Beth, Elton, Kara, and Noel, all of whom are incredibly talented, and they're all based here in Seattle with me. So let's look at my breakdown of the wine and where things took a turn. Uh, Bubbles, underripe lime and peach, floral, soft cheese, high mineral, no oak, dry, medium plus acid, medium alcohol, no tannin, phenolic bitterness, and a roundness of texture. So I took this to Pinot Grigio, which could be pretty fair for for that description, Um, but I didn't give enough credit to the floral notes, which would connect to the terpenes found in Alperino. I also didn't pick up on like that salty character, uh, which is usually present from the influence of the ocean. And that roundness uh, did speak to oak. So this wine, it turns out, does have uh, 10% French oak for four months. So that could lend a bit of roundness and texture there. It was the Aravo Alberino 2013 from Ria Speiches. So I did get the vintage on that one and was able to take it there just because of its youthful character. And uh, most of the Albarinos that we're seeing now are from 2013. So for one number two, in this case, I really didn't know what the one was as I went through it, and I had to trust my clues to make a conclusion, and that worked out well. Had I listened to the texture of uh, fuzzy grip, that call, I could have taken it to Morgun, which tends to have more density than other crews, especially Fleury, which is more often floral and delicate. So due to that density, I can see where the other tasters went with their Syrah, although it can be risky to make a conclusion based on a single aroma note, like black pepper. There should be at least four or five notes that corroborate a conclusion, so let's take a look at what I have for this one. Ruby color, tart red fruits, rhubarb, violets, oregano, watermelon Jolly Rancher, organic leaves and gravel, dry, medium plus body, medium plus acid, medium plus alcohol, moderate tannin, uh some grip and fuzzy. And as I, I remember tasting it and thinking, oh this has some banana in it too, so a carbonic maceration note, but I I chose not to say that because as soon as you say something like banana, it it kind of it it definitely says, "Oh, I'm I'm talking about Beaujolais," and I, that's where I'm going with this call. So whether that be petrol for Riesling or you know, pyrazine, or for Sauvignon Blanc, or Lentil for Gruner, those notes which only exist in certain styles tend to pigeonhole the conclusion, so it's good to avoid those. So let's wrap things up today with a bit of wine theory and let's go to Beaujolais. So if we're in France, we go to Burgundy. And then at the far southern end of Burgundy, we have Beaujolais, which is split up into 10 crews, which relate to the villages that are uh, r- close to those vineyards. And the ones that I mentioned today were Morgon and Fleury. Fleury being smaller than Morgun. So it is 857 hectares in size. Uh, the style tends to be more feminine and perfumed, and the soil type there is pink granite. And who knows really what the influence of soil type is, depending on how much you believe in minerality. But it's fair to mention that, just to know, pink granite. And you can think of pink granite, feminine, flurry, those can be a nice connection. Now, Morgan, on the other hand, is larger. So it's at 1126 hectares, the style being more Dense, uh, long-lived, so some age-worthy wine coming from Morgan. And the soil type there is called Roche Puri, which means rotten rock. And so it's um, you know, a mix of uh, volcanic soil with uh, some soft crystalline rock and schist. Uh, so a mixed soil type there. Now, if we look at Morgan, it is split up into... Ludi. So there are one, two, three, four, five. There are six Ludi in Morgane. And those are basically um, areas of vineyards. So in in some areas of France, the vineyards are strictly classified. So you have like a Grand Cru vineyard in Burgundy. Um, But where the vineyards aren't officially classified, they can still be named. Like this vineyard is called that. And that's what a, a ludi is. So, there is a fun way to remember the Ludis, and I'll just go through them now. So you have dubi, les micoud, cotepi, grand, C- uh, grand cross, les charmes, and corsalette. And so those uh, six Ludis, if you imagine a clock, and the clock you know goes in that clockwise direction. Duby is at the one o'clock position, Lemicoud at three, Cotepi at five, Grand Cra at seven, Le Charme at nine, and Courcelette at eleven. So it goes one, three, five, seven, nine, eleven. So it skips these numbers, and that's a way for you to visually uh, think about it. And I suggest going on Google Images and, and searching for Morgan Ludy. And you'll see those pictures um, in a visual way, but this is a um, method to remember it. And then let's see if we can remember the names themselves in order. So remember we're going one, three, five, seven, nine 3, for um, the skipping. And so let's pretend Morgan is a person, a lady, and she is a dubious comedian for doobie. And she's playing hopscotch. So, skip, skipping the numbers. And she's playing hopscotch with a, a microphone. You know, she's a comedian, she has a microphone, and the microphone cord is trailing behind her. So, Lemikoud is the microphone cord. And her trench coat that she's wearing has a big um, ruby letter P on the back. So, that's coat de P. And ruby, you can remember for uh, the color of the wine. Now, Grand Craw, her big craw is talking. Les she she's talking in a charming way. And Corselette, the question is, why is she wearing a corset? So Morgan, a dubious comedian playing hopscotch with a mic cord trailing behind her. Her trench coat has a big letter P on the back. Her big craw is talking in a charming way. Think Sarah Silverman there. <laughs> and the question is, why is she wearing a corset? So that's a little memory palace type of thing that you can use to remember Duby, Les Mikoud, Cote Pee, Grand Cra, Les Charmes, and Corsolette. And I should mention the, uh, the producer on today's Beaujolais was Jean-Marc Bourgeaud, 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 Bourgeaud Morgan Cote Morgan Cotepi 2012. So that's going to wrap things up for today. Thank you for listening. I'll be having more deductive tasting demos like this for you coming soon. And I'll be honestly evaluating the wines to the best of my ability. And whether I get them right or wrong isn't as important as going through the deductive process and taking a look at what works and what doesn't and what gets commonly confused. So uh, keep an eye out for that. You can catch me online at mediumplus.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash medium plus everything music today is coming from my buddy golden master who's based locally here in Seattle you can catch up with him online at bagger228.com slash golden master that's b-a-g-g-e-r numbers 228.com slash golden master and he also performs performs live here in Seattle so if you want to catch him in person and and get those beats uh, you can do that well I I look forward to having more content and goodies and uh, articles on the way um, as as they come about I appreciate your support and encourage you to share this with friends if uh, if you enjoyed it and hopefully this can keep growing so um, whether or not it does and it ends up being just you and me that's okay too But until next time, uh, thanks again and peace. The people who have kept 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 the
1: The people who have kept
0: What do you say when your buddy tries to pair Olianico with oysters? Musca don't.